Welcome everyone to Faith and Purpose Podcast. Each episode of this podcast contains the personal testimony of an ordinary person transformed by an extraordinary God. My name is Kaylin and I'm here to introduce this podcast for my friend Jesse Duke. Jesse is a husband, father, author, life recovery guide, lay counselor, and small group leader, but his most important role is disciple. As a disciple of Jesus, Jesse created this podcast to help other believers tell their faith stories. We'll be hearing the personal testimonies of all sorts of people who have one thing in common. Jesus has transformed their lives. Jesus used parables because he created us to learn best through story. And as we listen to how God has worked in others' lives, we find encouragement and inspiration for our own faith walk. Whether you are already a believer or just a curious seeker, we believe that as you listen to these stories, you will be encouraged on your own faith journey. We are sure that God can speak to you through one of these episodes and that you will see that our Heavenly Father truly works all things together for our good when we simply love and trust Him. If you are currently going through a trial, we believe that you will come to see that your troubles, heartbreaks, and failures are not gravestones, but stepping stones into new life in Christ. Here's Jesse with today's guest. Welcome to the very first episode of Faith and Purpose Podcast. My name is Jesse Duke, and I'm normally going to be your host interviewing other people. So this isn't going to be a typical episode because I've asked my friend Lauren to be the guest host today so she can interview me so that I can tell you what the podcast is all about. I've known Lauren for over 30 years, and she's been a really big blessing in my life. Lauren is a wife and mother, a Jesus lover, and a strong Christian leader. Everybody that knows Lauren loves and admires her, and I'm really honored to have you as my guest host today, Lauren. Thank you for being here. Hi, Jesse. I am happy to be here, and I think it's very fun that you're taking this on, and who knows what God has planned, so I think that's going to be fun to watch and see. Um, Jesse has been a good friend for a long time, and he's put together this podcast, and my job is to help figure out what it's about. So, Jesse, this is what we're going to unpack today. So tell me what it's all about. Why do you want to make this happen? What inspired you? Well, the short version is that I believe the Holy Spirit inspired me. I've always loved audio, and I'm kind of an audio learner. I like to tell people that I read with my ears. I like listening to audio books and radio and podcasts and that sort of things. And I've, I've really gotten educated over the years just as I work and travel and do chores and stuff like that. I can I can get educated at the same time. So that's been a big blessing to me. Plus, I seem to retain things better that I hear than if I just watch a video or read a book. So I spent a whole lot of time listening to good preaching and teaching, and I do it every day just about. So I consider it my continuing education. So I wanted to create a podcast that would be a blessing to other people. The full title of the podcast is Faith and Purpose, Ordinary People Who've Been Transformed by an Extraordinary God Tell Their Stories of What Happened and What Their Lives Are Like Now. The podcast really has four 
purposes that I'm aware of. Maybe there's more. But the first one is to provide a space where the Holy Spirit can work through the speakers and the listeners. The second is to uh, give those that tell their stories an opportunity to grow in their faith by being obedient to Jesus' command to go into all the world and tell about him. Third is to give the listeners a diverse range of true stories of regular people coming to faith in Christ and walking with him. And fourth, just to have fun, because stories are fun. So this podcast is really all about the power of story. We're all attracted to stories. Stories have a lot of power to influence, entertain, and teach us in a way that goes deep into our memory. And I think non-believers are more likely to listen to ordinary people tell their stories rather than the polished professional speakers that are out there. So I just wanted to make this platform available to bless both the listeners and the speakers and just have fun doing it. So I hope everybody else has fun with it. I didn't want to create a podcast where I had to do a lot of talking because, as you can tell, I really don't have a voice for that. I've never been called an eloquent speaker. And I'm also hoping that other believers who may be hesitant about speaking will hear my raspy old voice and get the idea that it's okay not to sound slick and polished and they'll be inspired to go ahead and sign up to give their testimonies. So anyway, I'm working on it. I'm working on the technology of how to do a podcast, how to edit and all that stuff. So I'm hoping people will be tolerant and trust me that I'm I'm working on this and that it'll get better and better. So thank you. You mentioned the power of story earlier. So can you expand on that a little bit? Well, yeah, we all have a life story and we're all drawn to stories, you know. Jesus told stories. We're still in telling Jesus' parables 2,000 years later. So story has a powerful effect on us because he created us that way. You know, churches used to have a testimony night where people would get up in front of the congregation and give their testimonies. As a matter of fact, that's how this uh, super-secret society of recovering alcoholics got started. They got it from the church. Because back in the 30s, there was a Christian movement called the Oxford Group, and they had four guiding principles for their members, what they called the four absolutes, honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love. And the way they implemented these principles was through four steps, surrender, sharing, restitution, and continuance. In other words, they would surrender their entire lives to God, they would share what happened in their lives with other people, and then they would make amends for wrongs they had done, and then they would continue in that lifestyle for the rest of their lives. Well, the alcoholics who were part of that bunch decided they needed to break out on their own and just work with alcoholics. So they took those four steps, and like good alcoholics, they figured that if four steps work good, then 12 ought to work even better. So they started their own thing. That was around 1935. So that whole program got started because they stole the biblical principles from the church. And the church, of course, got them from Jesus. Over the years, as the church has gotten more and more institutionalized, 
They got away from these old-time testimony meetings. Now it's just a small number of educated clergy that does most of the talking. And the rest of us are just consumers and listeners. And I think that's uh, one reason why alcoholics get so much more out of going to these super-secret meetings than they do going to a church because they get to be heard and become participants rather than just consumers. And the church could learn something from that. Anyway, I don't really have any expectations that the guests on this podcast are all going to have the same kind of doctrine. But what I do expect is a wide range of perspectives and experiences to be shared from people from all sorts of denominations and no denomination at all. So I do think that we all just need to come with a Berean attitude and be prepared to just check the scriptures and uh, take everything with a grain of salt, so to speak. I'm hoping people will come to the understanding that uh, giving your testimony in this kind of public way really benefits you, not just everybody out there listening. And I think four things actually happen when we give our testimonies. One, we learn where we actually are in our faith walk because the Holy Spirit uses the process to guide us and teach us. Two, we experience His presence because no matter how much we plan to say, He shows up, says what He wants to through us. Three, we defeat the enemy. Over in Revelation, John says, And they they overcame the accuser by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So when we give our testimony, we're telling Satan that he no longer has power over us. We start to learn what we have in Christ. Paul told Philemon that the sharing of your faith becomes effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So as we acknowledge what we have in Christ by sharing it with others, We overcome that nagging condemnation that Satan's constantly attacking us with, and we become assured that we actually do have what Jesus says we have in him. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, among all the other gifts and fruits of abiding in him. And another thing that happens, number four, is that Jesus gets blessed. When we give our testimonies and we brag on Him, He's honored and glorified, and I think that pleases Him. I once overheard my daughter bragging on me to a friend. Oh, man, what a blessing that was. It really lifted me, made me want to do even more with her. It really blessed me. And I know the Lord must feel the same way when He hears us honor Him. So we have a great opportunity to bless the Lord and other people when we can share what He's done in our lives. It's just, it's just as simple as telling what happened. I hope people will understand that that's what it's all about. Right. I understand. I suppose the most important thing that comes out of this whole process of telling our stories is the discovery that our stories are just that. They're just stories. They're not who we are. We can quit seeing them as our identity and start seeing who we are in Christ when we just tell our story. You know, we all tend to go through life thinking that the things we've been through are achieved or lost and all the good and the bad stuff that happens is our identity. You know, that's who we are. But that's not you. That's just your story. Everybody has one. But the whole reason for Jesus' death and resurrection 
is to set us free from who we think we are. You know, back in Genesis, God told Adam not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because if he did, he would surely die. So when Adam did, he did die spiritually. He forgot who he was. He forgot he was a friend of God. And he died to that fellowship that they shared. So as descendants of Adam, we're stuck with this same constant ongoing narrative about ourselves, our our good and our evil, and we just live by this story of how bad we are and we struggle to be good and it never lasts because we can't be good in our own strength. So in order to make ourselves feel good, We see other people as worse than us. But Jesus, he's the second Adam. He came along to set us free from ourselves, to restore the fellowship we had in the garden, and to change our story. I believe that most Christians don't understand that they are not their past sin. You know, a lot of people say, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Well, they're just hanging on to that old identity, and that's not what God wants for us. When Jesus died for our sin, it was to remove that from our story. As long as we don't accept that, we're stuck with that. And that's why God called Satan the accuser of the brethren, because he's constantly telling us who we are in him and Satan, so we can't hear who we are in Christ. Everybody struggles with with this schizophrenia until we simply believe who God says we are in his word. You know, when Abraham simply believed God, God reckoned his belief as righteousness. In other words, when we believe what God says about us and let go of our own good and evil narrative, then we actually take possession of the identity that the new Adam, Jesus, died to provide for us. So if we're not willing to let go of our own understanding, our old story, then we're not being righteous. You know, over in Second uh, Corinthians 5.21, it said that Jesus became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And uh, what us believers have to do is start believing. So what we find when by getting honest and actually telling our earthly stories is we start understanding that it's not really our story. It's his story. He's the one who was with us all along, bringing us to himself. And not only that, it brings us to a place where we can actually see that we are in Christ. We are not who we thought we were. That's what it means to be a new creature. That's our true identity. We're in him. We're not all the experiences that we think make up our identity. Remember, you know, Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And over in John 15, Jesus tells his disciples to abide in him, and he will abide in us. So our real work on this earth is just to rest in him, to listen for his voice and follow him. You know, I heard about a survey that was taken a couple years ago that said something like 80% of young people don't feel like they have a purpose in life, that life is meaningless. I'm sure this is why the suicide rate is rising among young people. But if they only knew the truth, the way, the truth, and the life, things would be different. And that's what Faith and Purpose Podcast is all about. I'm hoping it's an instrument that God can use to get the word out there in a way that people can relate to and uh, maybe start thinking about turning to God and Jesus before uh, they do pull that trigger, so to speak. 
Anyway, I'm hoping that people that are, that listen to this podcast will uh, get something that will inspire them to seek God in a deeper way and to get free from that accuser of the brethren in their own head. That is powerful. I recently I heard a quote that, and the quote was, "Light a candle rather than curse the, curse the darkness." And this podcast is lighting a candle, and describes exactly what I think you're trying to do, Jesse. Yeah, thank you. That's wonderful. There are a lot of good people out there lighting candles. I mean, I hear them all the time, and I'm grateful for them because, you know, when we see all this insanity going on in the world, in our culture, and even in our government, it just seems like darkness has taken over. It seems like Satan is winning. But, you know, over in the book of John, in the very first chapter, John says, in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of man, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And in that same book, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then over in Matthew, he says, you are the light of the world, speaking of us as disciples. And then he goes on to say, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So this podcast is another way for believers to let their light shine so that God may be glorified. And that's how we overcome evil with good. Thanks for that quote. It's better to light a candle than curse the darkness. There's already plenty of cursing going on out there, but we want to be lights and overcome the darkness. What about finding people? How are you going to find people to interview? Well, so far I've just prayed, and eight very brave souls have come forth and given their testimonies even before this podcast was a thing. So I'm really grateful for that. I do plan on having a new guest each week, Lord willing. So I'm counting on some more brave believers out there who might be listening to this. In the outro to each episode, there's an invitation for believers who want to share their testimonies to go to my website and download the guest speaker instructions. They can also invite other people who might be interested by sending them a link. I figured that if someone gets as far as reading the instructions and contacting me about it, then they're probably motivated enough to set aside an hour and a half for an interview. So I'm just counting on the Holy Spirit to send whoever he wants to hear from. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about challenges? Uh, What do you feel like the biggest challenges that you have getting started? Well, besides technology, just learning how to communicate my vision to other believers seems to be a challenge. I've never been a great communicator, so i got a lot to learn about how to explain the value of a testimony to people. It just seems that us modern Christians are reluctant to be publicly transparent about something, you know, so personal. But we all know that Jesus gave us the Great Commission over in Mark 16 and Matthew 28. But we kind of think of it as sort of in a general way as like mission trips and ministries and evangelistic meetings and things like that. You know, we don't really think of it as just as us telling our stories. I think another challenge is a lack of trust in the Holy Spirit. You know, I just think of the early disciples after Jesus resurrected and before he ascended to heaven, he told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. 
And then they did. And then they just went out and started telling crowds and individuals about Jesus. And God confirmed them through signs and wonders. And I think the same thing can happen with us today. But we have to trust the Holy Spirit. We can't just, you know, head out on our own. So that's why I tell people to pray and trust Him to, to do the talking. So it's not something that we have to get perfect because He's the one that makes it perfect because He knows who's out there listening and who needs to hear our story. It might even be one word that you say or one or the way you say one word, you know. So anyway, when we simply tell what our lives were like before Jesus, what happened and what they're like now, that's our witness. That's what we saw. That's what we witnessed. It's not theology. It's just real life. So, you know, if you witness an accident, all you can do is tell what you saw. You just tell what happened from your perspective. The cop or the judge isn't going to allow you to speculate or expand or try to tell somebody else's experience. All you know is what you witness. And you've only got your own viewpoint. They'll go find somebody else to get a different one. So I'm definitely not looking for people to preach or teach, although Scripture does come out naturally when, we just, when we're telling what happened. You can't avoid that. But I'm just saying I want true life stories, not evangelistic sermons. There's plenty of those out there. This is a podcast about true stories. I truly believe that the Holy Spirit comes on board for this. And it's just all about being honest and transparent for the sake of other people. That's what touches people, authenticity and, and heart. So that's been a challenge, getting people to understand that. But I think as I get better at communicating, as people listen to other episodes, I think it'll get better. Another challenge I've run into is comparison. You know, we've all heard dramatic testimonies and been inspired by them. You know, I used to listen to uh, Unshackled, the radio program. They were all dramatic testimonies. <laughs> so we all tend to think that, that since we don't have an addiction or a crisis or a trauma or we hadn't been to jail, you know, dramatic stuff like that, we think that our story isn't interesting enough to people. So that's that's been one big problem. So uh, I think it was Teddy Roosevelt who said that comparison is the thief of joy. And I agree with that, but it's also a tool of Satan to keep us from knowing who we really are in Christ. Because as we tell what he did, he's done for us, we discover ourselves who we really are in Christ. You know, Paul told Philemon that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So as we tell our stories as they really happen, we're acknowledging what we are aware of up to that moment, but simultaneously we're opening the door to a deeper understanding of what God's up to in our lives. And we get a whole new perspective on what He's already done in our lives. Paul told the Corinthians, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So I truly think that most believers either don't know who they are in Christ, or they just don't believe what God says they have in Christ. Kind of makes you wonder why we call ourselves believers. 
Another challenge is that some people have told me they don't think they can share because they can't come up with a specific date when they gave their lives to Christ. They just grew up in church and believed in it all along, and they think something's wrong with them because they don't have a date. Well, I don't know. I don't have a date either. My whole life has been one date after another. It's been an educational process. I just grew up in faith, and I keep growing every day. You know, every day ought to be our date, so to speak. I used to think I was an imposter because I couldn't come up with that specific date or dramatic experience. Anyway, I'm willing to bet that there are more believers out there who've just grown into a relationship with Christ than those who've just had an encounter that was so dramatic that it caused them to remember the date. That's not to minimize all those who have had that and have that wonderful date etched in their memory, not at all. I'm thinking about what Jesus told Thomas over in the book of John, you know, where Thomas had said he wasn't going to believe unless he put his fingers in the holes in his hands and all that. But Jesus showed up and he said, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So it's our faith that pleases God, not our experiences. I mean, experience is great, but real spiritual maturity is walking by faith, not by sight. Not because we have a dramatic encounter that lights our fire. Besides, I think we all know some old saints who got stuck on a salvation date 50 years earlier and never moved on. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I like to tell people that if you truly want to know where you are on the spiritual path, check what you're counting on. Are you trusting in a date or in memorized verses or something that happened in the past? Or are you trusting the living Jesus behind those things? Anyway, just something to think about. So having said all that, I do have some guidelines for people to use to help them prepare their stories over at my website. It gives some of the topics that people can include in their story if they want to. But I really make it clear that I want each person to tell their story the way they feel most comfortable, you know, the way the Holy Spirit leads them. People can answer uh, my questions if they want, but I'd rather they just use mine as a kind of a guideline to to come up with a structure for their talk. As you can tell, I'm doing some reading because there's some information I wanted to get across. I want to make sure I didn't forget. But I'm not telling my story. I'm trying to pass along some important information. So I am doing some reading, but I suggest that people not do that when they tell their story. Just tell it from the heart. So here's some things to think about that I have on the guidelines, and I'll just go ahead and mention them here just for the purpose of this introductory episode. One, what was your life like before Jesus? Two, when and where were you born? Three, what was it like growing up? Four, what was your childhood like? Parents, grandparents, siblings, school, church, friends, activities, etc. Five, significant events and people. Six, what happened to bring you to faith in Christ? Seven, when and how did you first hear about Jesus? Eight, what sort of discipleship did you receive, if any? Nine, how did your life change after you came to believe? 
10. What were some of the trials and challenges you've had to overcome in your life? That's a real important one because that's what people are listening for to get hope. 11. Why do you think that thing happened? 12. What did you learn from it? 13. What is your life like now and how do you experience your relationship with God today? 14. How have your relationships with other people changed? 15. What do you think your ministry to the world is today? In other words, what is your purpose? 16. How do you experience your daily walk with the Lord? So toward the end of the time, I ask people to pass along one bit of wisdom that they've learned from the Lord that they want to share. Then I ask them to pray for the listeners, and we wrap it up. So these are just ideas for preparation. It's not a formula. Besides, I know that no matter how much we plan, Holy Spirit's going to do what He wants to do and say what He wants said because He knows who's out there listening, and He knows who needs to hear what. So we just make a plan because that's being a good steward. We take notes. We pray about it. And we just trust him for the outcome. So all these guidelines are on my website, which I link to in the show notes, not only in this episode, but every episode. I gotcha. Now that we know a little bit about why you started a podcast, how about a little bit about you? Because a lot of people might be listening and have never met you before and would like to know about you. Sure. I'll take a few minutes to tell about myself, just so people will know that I'm a real person and uh, what I'm all about. But at some point, I'll get somebody else to interview me for a whole episode, just like I'm doing with other people. But for right now, I just say that I'm just a good old boy from the South. I make a living with my hands, except for six years in the Marine Corps in the 70s and a few other odd jobs. I've been self-employed all my life. Building, fixing, painting, doing all sorts of physical labor. I just enjoy that, and I like moving. I'm not much of an inside guy or a, or a desk guy. As far as my personal life goes, the most important part of my life, besides Jesus, is my family. I've been really blessed to have been married to my lovely and gorgeous wife, Becky, for over 40 years now, and I'm so grateful that She's stuck with me as long as she has. Most days I'm just in awe of her. I look at her and I think how blessed I am to have her. She is probably the most authentic and loving person that I've ever known. And I'm definitely a better human being because of her. I tell people that I want to be like her when I grow up. She's my daily living proof of God's grace in my life. And I'm so grateful. Also, I am the very proud father of an absolutely amazing, strong, beautiful, and independent 29-year-old daughter named Hannah. She is my pride and joy. Hannah has definitely been my greatest teacher. The best part of my life has been being her dad. I wouldn't have the relationship with God that I have today if it wasn't for her. I know other dads understand this, but it's such a powerful thing for me. I never really understood what it meant that God is a father or that God is love or God loves you. 
But now, being a father myself, knowing this deep love that I have for Hannah, the kind of love where I know that without a second's hesitation I would die for her, that has shown me what God is like. Because He did die for me, and He does give me all the things that are good for me. He does listen to me, and what He wants most is just to be with me. And that's the way I feel about my daughter. So I understand God today because of my relationship with her. It doesn't matter what she does or doesn't do. I'm still her dad, and I can't imagine a deeper or stronger love. So I'm so grateful to be Hannah's dad, not just a dad, but her dad specifically, and I'm so proud of her. Anyway, I was raised going to church and Sunday school and all that. I had good parents taught me the right things, disciplined me well. But around the time I was 16, I took matters into my own hands, and I spent a whole decade just chasing the world and all it had to offer and everything that comes with that lifestyle. So after about 10 years, I ended up suicidal because the world is just plain empty and meaningless apart from God. So when I was 26 years old, I just got down on my knees and I said one little three-word prayer, God help me. Of course, it was a lot more intense than that, but from that moment on, my life began to change. It wasn't an instant conversion, but it was definitely a turnaround. In my mind, God was the Christian God, the one I'd been brought up with, but I didn't really get into the Bible at that time. He led me into this super secret fellowship. And uh, I had some major life issues to deal with along the way. And I've had a lot worse things happen in my life than my alcoholism. Fortunately, I've had enough sense to take advantage of counselors along the way. There's a proverb that says, in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. So I've never missed a chance to admit when when I can't handle something on my own. And another proverb says, correct a wise man and he will be wiser still. So my basic attitude is that God is speaking to me all the time. And he uses circumstances and people, nature. (laughs) Our dog Splash was one of my best teachers. She died a couple years ago. I mean, if God can speak through a donkey like he did to Balaam, he could speak through our dogs. And I believe he does. Anyway, I trust God to bring me all the wisdom I need in any way he can. And I can use that wisdom to help myself and others, you know. One major thing that I learned about God is that he does not want us to waste our pain. Over in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, God comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now that's kind of a tongue twister, but I think it's the only way to make sense of this world and all the senseless things that happen. But God doesn't let anything go to waste. Nothing in His kingdom goes to waste. But we have to be willing to face our sin and our pain and our trauma head on so that we can turn them to good. And that's the way we overcome evil in this world. We use the pain and the trouble and our sin and our heartbreak to help others. And that way, we overcome the evil. That's what gives meaning. 
Anyway, after 30-something years, I went back to school and got a master's in biblical counseling. And I got certified as a life recovery coach. I call myself a life recovery guide because I think guide is just more descriptive of what I do. I just guide people. When I'm listening to somebody else's problem, I'm listening to the true guide. You know, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would guide us into all truth. So I just listen to him as I'm listening to people tell me their problems. And I just suggest what the Bible says about their situation if they really want to hear it. So I don't try to force it. I just listen and and pray and do what he leads me to do. There's all kinds of people out there who need all kinds of help. But there's a big difference between needing help and wanting help. A lot of people really don't want to know what God says about their situation. You know, it takes a whole lot of suffering to get to the point where you're willing to truly, absolutely let go and let God. So if I feel I can't help somebody, I do the best I can to steer them toward professional help. So I try to help whoever God puts in front of me to the best of my ability. I mostly just listen. You know, listening is just so powerful. That's really what people need the most. They just need to know they're being heard. And they also need to know that they're being heard in confidence, that nothing they say will ever be repeated. And that's super sacred to me. So I make myself available as a completely confidential listener for anybody with problems, you know, all sorts of problems, not just addictions, but depression, suicidal thoughts, identity crises, uh, parents of prodigals, grief, loss. There's all kind of grief and loss going on out there. We all have grief and loss, and it, and it never stops. And I've been honored to come alongside a few people as they have uh, gone through their dying process. That's always humbling, and it's a, a great honor to be invited into that. And I love working with small groups. I've been honored to lead many small groups in my life. And I really enjoy that. I don't pretend to have all the answers, but I do know that God's Word doesn't fail. And it never returns void, as it says over in Isaiah. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Well, this has been a really interesting process just to learn a little bit about what you're up to. And I'm excited about what comes next. So, any, anything else you want people to know? Well, I think that's about it. There's a lot more I could say, but I think people can get the picture of now what this podcast is all about. And I appreciate your being here. I haven't given you much chance to talk, so hopefully I'll be getting you to tell your testimony at some point in the future. And I look forward to that. Okay, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm totally sold. Well, I think we've answered a lot of questions that people might be having before they start to listen to the podcast. One of my questions was, how can people get in touch with you? My ministry website, the way to reach me is jessieduke.net. There's a link at the end of this episode and every other episode. I don't participate in any kind of social media and probably never will. I just use old-fashioned email. So little Patience may be required, and I do have a day job, but I try to respond to emails within 24 hours or less. So, 
At the end of each episode, I ask the guests who just told their stories to pray for the listeners. But in this case, I want to reverse that. I'm asking everyone who's listening to this initial episode to pray for all people out there who don't know about the purpose and plans that God has for them. Please pray that everyone will get exactly what they need from the Lord and that the podcast will be an instrument of God's peace to everyone. So, thank you so much for those prayers. And thanks again, Lauren, and thank you all for listening. We hope you've been blessed by today's story. In case you haven't noticed, there are no advertisements on this podcast, and we hope to keep it that way. So if you've heard something that you think could help someone you know, please share it using the link in the show notes. Also, if you will give Faith and Purpose a positive review on your podcast platform, you could help more people find it. You will probably never know how that small effort can make a big difference in someone's life, but our Heavenly Father knows. Speaking of sharing, if you know a Jesus follower with a story to tell, please send them a link to Faith and Purpose podcast. It may encourage them to tell their story. That person may even be you. Our only criteria is that Jesus be glorified. Most Christians don't share their faith because they mistakenly think their story is not interesting enough or that it's self-centered to talk about themselves or that they are not competent to explain the gospel correctly. But none of that is relevant. If Jesus has changed your life, you have a story to tell. All of our stories are completely unique. No one has a story like yours, and you may be the only one who can reach someone else through telling your experience. So don't be intimidated. A story is just that, a true account of your own experience, and no one can disagree with your experience. When we tell what Jesus has done in our lives, we are being obedient to his command to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's not about theology, and it's not about how interesting or special you are. It's all about Jesus. So when you're ready to tell how Jesus has impacted your life, you can let Jesse know at his ministry website, jessieduke.net. There you can download guidelines that will make it easy to prepare to tell your story. Thank you for listening today, and shalom. Shalom.